0: good morning and welcome to another episode of kings and queens the podcast where we read watch play and discuss history's favorite scream queens and literary kings of horror i am your host nat and this week we are diving right into chapter seven of stephen king's holly last week we got introduced to a new character peter stinky steinman that we think may be a part of the harris's plot but we have no confirmation yet really similar to the dog case where skateboard was found but no helmet sounds like he may not have been wearing one um, and he's been disappeared for weeks this one is another pretty short chapter so bear with me if you have not already i do recommend going back to the beginning and reading through all the previous chapters with us as a reminder when you hear this sound that means i have stopped reading from the text and am instead discussing thoughts interpretation literary theory things like that when the sound replays That means the mic is back to the author. Without further ado, let's begin Chapter 7 of Holly. Chapter 7, November 27, 2018, page 71. It will be a cold winter in this city by the lake. Lots of snow, but on this night the temperature is an unseasonable 65 degrees. Mist is rising from the seal-slick surface of Red Bank Avenue. The streetlights illuminate a dense cloud cover less than 100 feet up. Peter Stinky Steinman rides his Alameda deck down the empty sidewalk at quarter to seven, giving it an occasional lazy push to keep it rolling. He's bound for the dairy whip. Ahead is the giant lighted soft serve cone haloed in mist. He's looking at that and doesn't notice the van parked on the tarmac of the deserted Exxon station between the office and the islands where the pumps used to be. As the reader, we get some immediate foreboding here. This is very much typical MO for Rodney and Emily Harris. Additionally, even this teenager, Pete Stinky Steinman, uh, describes the mist as a halo, similar to the old poet did way back in the first chapter. I'm not sure if it's still trying to allude to death, resurrection, or saving, or what. Once upon a time, long, long ago, well, three years, which seems like long, long ago when you're 11, young Steinman was known to his peers as Pete rather than Stinky. He was a boy of average intelligence who had nevertheless been gifted with a vivid imagination. On that long ago day, as he walked towards Neil Armstrong Elementary School, where he was currently enrolled in Mrs. Stark's third grade class, he was pretending he was Jackie Chan, fighting a host of enemies in an empty warehouse with his excellent kung fu skills. He had already laid a dozen low, but more were coming at him. So absorbed was he, ha, and yuh, and hia, that he did not notice an extremely large pile of sidewalk excrement left by an extremely large Great Dane. He walked through it and entered into Neil Armstrong Elementary in an odiferous state. Mrs. Stark insisted he take off his sneakers, one of them shit-stained all the way up to the Converse logo, and leave them in the hall until it was time to go home. His mother made him hose them off, and then she threw them in the washing machine. They came out good as new, but by then it was too late. On that day, and forever after, Pete Steinman became Stinky Steinman. Oh, the classic trope of high school or middle school embarrassment that follows you into life. Tonight he's hoping to find his skateboarding pals doing ollies and kickflips in the parking lot. Two of them are Richie Glenman, the boy with the habit of sticking french fries up his nose and sometimes in his ears, and Tommy Edison, red-haired, freckles, the acknowledged leader of their little gang. Two is better than none, but they are out of money, it's getting late, and they're just getting ready to leave. Come on, hang out a while, Stinky says. Can't, Richie says. WWE Smackdown, dude. Can't miss the awesomeness. Homework, Tommy says glumly. Book report. The two boys leave, skateboards under their arms. Stinky does a couple of runs, tries a kickflip, and falls off his deck. Glad Richie and Tommy aren't there to see. He looks at his skinned elbow and decides to go home. If his mother is upstairs, he can watch the Smackdown himself, keeping the volume down low so he doesn't bother her while she does her accounting shit. She works a lot since she cleaned up her act. So this is the first introduction to another character that will play A larger role uh, in the next few chapters is uh, Stinky Steinman's mom. Uh, He mentions cleaning up her act but no mention of what was being cleaned. We as the reader just have to wait and see. The whip is open and he'd kill for a cheeseburger but he only has 50 cents. Plus, Wicked Wanda is on duty. If he asks her for credit or maybe a buck and a half out of the tip jar, she'll laugh in his face. He heads back to Red Bank Avenue, and once he's outside the misty circle cast by the light at the front of the parking lot, where wicked Wanda can't see him and laugh, that is, he starts dispatching enemies. Tonight, having reached a more mature age, he's imagining himself as John Wick. It's harder to bring down his enemies when he has his deck under one arm and only one hand with which to cut and chop, but he has great skills, supernatural skills. And so, young man, He's jerked out of his fantasy and sees an old guy standing just outside the security light at the edge of the parking lot, not to mention the Dairy Whip's lone video surveillance camera. He's hunched over a cane and wearing a cool, wide-brimmed hat like in an old black and white spy movie. Did I startle you? I'm sorry, but I need some help. My wife is in a wheelchair, you see, and the battery died. We have a disability van with a ramp, but I can't push her chair up by myself. If you could help... Stinky, currently in full hero mode, is perfectly willing to help. He's been told repeatedly not to talk to strangers, but this geezer looks like he'd have trouble knocking over a row of dominoes, let alone pushing a wheelchair up a crip ramp. Where is it? Classic MO for Emily and Rodney Harris, but I am concerned that currently they're going after an 11-year-old child. That seems different to me. And they continuously use their appearance as elderly, possibly disabled folks, to trick these people into helping them. And of course, because this victim is a child, he thinks the old man is just cool as all get out with his outfit and that he's weak and not a threat. The old guy points diagonally across the street. Through the rising mist, Stinky can just make out the shape of a van parked on the tarmac of the old Exxon station and beside it, a wheelchair with someone sitting in it. Roddy and Emily take turns being the one stranded in the dead wheelchair, and it's really Roddy's turn, but M's sciatica is now so bad, mostly thanks to that damned stubborn Kraslow girl, that she actually needs the chair. I'll give you $10 to help me push her up the ramp and into our van, the old guy says. Stinky thinks of the burger he was just wishing for. With a 10 spot, he could add fries and a chocolate shake and still have money left over. But would Jackie Chan take money for doing a good deed? Nah, I'll do it for free. That is very kind. I really like how they, or how King is describing how these victims are approaching these people. Even Jorge Castro find a, found, found a kind way to describe helping these people. He called it a neighborly chore. He acknowledged that it was you know, work, it was effort, it was time out of his day, time out of his plans, but he wanted to be kind, he wanted to be neighborly, and the same thing here for Pete Stinky Steinman. He's thinking, yes, I want to help these people, and yes, I really want a burger and all this extra stuff, but would my heroes do that? No. They walk into the misty night together, the geezer leaning on his cane. They cross the avenue. When they reach the sidewalk in front of the gas station, the old lady in the wheelchair gives Stinky a weak wave. He returns it and turns to the geezer, who has one hand in the pocket of his overcoat. I was just thinking, yes? Maybe you could give me three bucks for pushing her up the ramp. Then I could go back to the whip and get a burger royale. Hungry, are you? Always. The geezer smiles and pats Stinky's shoulder. I understand. Hunger must be assuaged end of chapter seven ew 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 can we talk about rodney harris one don't touch the 11 year old that is not your child nor is it your grandchild and two he that is so sick and we as the reader have an immediate sense of foreboding because we know what's about to go down but roddy seems to take some sick pleasure in the mind games and i really don't like that especially since this new victim is a whopping 11 years old. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you guys are enjoying the twists and turns in this novel as much as I am, Uh, and I hope you come back next week for chapter 8. Remember, it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus, and don't forget to like and subscribe. And a very happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. I am so grateful to enjoy and indulge in this hobby with you.